1: Each week at the meetings of a local Rotary Club, a different member was asked to give a brief statement about his job. When it was the turn of a Christian minister, he stood up and said this, I'm with a global enterprise. We have branches in every country in the world. We have our representatives in nearly every parliament and boardroom on earth. We're into motivation and behavior alteration." We serve in hospitals, feeding stations, universities, publishing houses, and nursing homes. We care for our clients from birth to death. We are into life insurance and fire insurance. We perform perform spiritual heart transplants. Our original organizer owns all the real estate on Earth, plus all the galaxies and constellations. He knows everything, and he lives everywhere. Our product is free for the asking. Our CEO was born in a small town, worked as a carpenter, didn't own a home, was misunderstood by his family, hated by enemies, walked on water, was condemned to death, and arose from the dead. And I have the privilege to talk with him every single day. That kind of gives you a big picture perspective on the church and things in the Christian life, doesn't it? it? It also reminds us of the privilege each of us have to talk with our Lord and Savior every single day. We've been considering the topic of how to pray under grace. In relation to this, I'd like to briefly answer the questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, in regards to prayer under grace. Who can pray? Anyone can pray. God hears all prayer. You don't need a pastor or spiritual leader to do your praying for you. God wants you to pray and personally bring your requests to Him. As we mentioned in an earlier message, God doesn't hear just our words. He hears our heart. He hears our emotions. So prayer doesn't have to be done perfectly with perfect words or phrases. Who do we pray for? We pray for all people, believers and unbelievers. We pray for unbelievers to be saved. We pray for believers to come to the knowledge of the truth. We are also taught to pray specifically for leaders in government. Who do we pray to? Of course, we pray to God. I believe praying to God the Father honors Christ's shed blood, which has made it possible for us to have free access with boldness and confidence to the Father at all times. And we should pray to Christ as well in our personal relationship with Him. This honors God the Father and It honors God the Holy Spirit who always points us to God the Son. What do we pray for? We pray for everything. Any spiritual need. Any physical need. It's all prayer material. Nothing is too small. We take everything to God in prayer. We are taught to bring all our requests to Him in Paul's epistles. When do we pray? Always. Without ceasing. Whenever morning, afternoon, evening, in the middle of the night, we are to have a running conversation with God that never stops until we're home with Him in glory. We are all called to pray always. Where do we pray? Anywhere, everywhere, wherever. We don't just pray in church, we pray wherever we are in life at home, at work at school, in the grocery store, store, walking the dog, anywhere. I like to pray when I'm driving. I think that's a great time to pray. But it's very important to pray with your eyes open when you're driving. How do we pray? There is no required position for prayer. However you want to pray, you can. The Bible talks about prayer positions. But none of them are for the purpose of teaching us us that this is the way we must always do it. Out of tradition, we often bow our heads and fold our hands. But this is done just so we can focus on the Lord and demonstrate submission to Him and fervency as we talk to the Lord. But we can pray with our eyes open too and we can pray with our head raised. The Bible talks about raising hands to pray too. So we pray whenever, wherever, and however. Why do we pray? Because God teaches us to pray in His Word. We pray because God is able, and the God who answers prayer can change things according to His perfect will. We pray also because it changes us. We pray because it draws us closer to the Lord. We pray because it strengthens us And it increases our faith in God. And it increases our love for others as we think of others in prayer. Philippians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 read, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. An elderly couple was once visiting another for supper. The two women went into the kitchen for a moment, leaving the men to talk. One of the men said to the other, "'The missus and I went to the nicest restaurant last night. The food and the service was tremendous.' The other man asked, "'Is that right? What was the name of the place?' And he replied, "'That's just it. I can't recall. Say, what's the name of that red flower that has thorns all over it that people give on special occasions?' The man responded, you mean a rose? He exclaimed energetically, yeah, that's it. And he yelled out to the kitchen, hey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we went to last night? (laughs) Sometimes we all have trouble remembering things. Paul, though, you see, he thanked his God upon every remembrance of them. Paul had a good memory when he thought of people. And he had good memories as he thought of the Philippian church. As we pray under grace, out of love and grace, we should remember to pray for fellow members of the body of Christ and to thank God for one another. Every single person in the church is important and needed, and this positive attitude of gratitude toward other believers can lift us above the negative thoughts we are all prone to have because we all have that old nature. By Paul's prayer example, we learn how he thanked God for others. He expressed appreciation to God for other members of Christ's body. He was thankful for their salvation, their service, their testimony, and just them. It brought Paul joy to think about and remember other believers who were in Christ also. Paul was interested in the Philippians, and every time he thought about them, Upon every remembrance of them, he thanked God for them. And we should follow that example in our prayer life. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, The high priest in the Old Testament wore a special garment, the ephod. On it were twelve stones with the names of the twelve tribes of Israel engraved on them a jewel for each tribe. He carried the people with him over his heart in love. And so did Paul. And so should we. We should carry each other with us in our hearts, remembering and praying for one another. Perhaps making a list of people in your church or take out your church directory sometime and pray through it, thanking God for each of those people, praying for the various needs of each person individually. And don't overlook the young. Thank God for the young people in the church. Pray for God to use their lives and that they would stand and live for the Lord. The younger generation needs prayer. These are challenging times to take a stand for your faith in Christ. And they need our prayers. And as Paul thought of them and remembered them, it was with joy that Paul prayed and made request on their behalf to God. As he says, making request with joy. And Paul shows us that intercession and prayer for the saints is not an obligation it's a joy and our service and our prayers God wants us preoccupied with the needs and welfare of others you see here how Paul's prayers were thankful thoughtful thorough joyful and intercessory it brought Paul joy to pray for others and then you think about where Paul was when he was praying Paul was under house arrest, facing possible execution, but his focus was not on himself or feeling sorry for his circumstances. Rather, he was joyful because he thought about this faithful little church in Philippi and made requests to God for their needs. Paul says later in this same book, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So you see here how getting the focus off of self is key to joy in life. As Paul thought of these believers, none in the church were excluded. He prayed for you all, he says in verse 4. And so that's how we should pray for those in the church. We should pray for all. A true story is told about a woman who was in nursing school. One day the professor came in and said those words that all students hate to hear. We're going to have a pop quiz today. She made it through the quiz until she got to the last question. It read, What is the name of the woman who cleans the school? She thought she read it wrong. She had seen an older lady who cleaned, but how was she supposed to know what her name was? After the quiz, one of the students asked the professor, Is that last question going to count? And the professor replied, Yes, it's going to count. You're going to meet a lot of people when you get out in this field. You may be tempted to overlook some, but each person is important, and each one has a name. And by the way, her name is Dorothy. To love others requires knowledge. The more we know people, the more we can love them, and the better we can pray for them. Every single person is important in God's eyes. Everyone is loved. Everyone is precious to Him. And so, as we trust and obey this passage and in our lives and ministries for the Lord, may it be our desire to know one another more and to pray and thank the Lord for each other.
0: We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to bereanbiblesociety.org. Discerning the Will of God is a 48-page booklet written by Pastor Ricky Kurth. What sincere believer hasn't sought God's will when facing big decisions, such as whom to marry? We even look to Him in everyday areas of life, such as which car to buy. Then, we also seek to understand God's will when we lose a child or other tragedy strikes. Discerning the will of God provides the believer with comfort in understanding God's will and direction in seeking it. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine The Berean Searchlight Call 262-255-4750 Or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org thank you again for your generous gifts and now back to the teaching with pastor kevin
1: as paul was thankful for the philippians he was thankful for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now he says in verse 5 paul was thankful that these people were saved saved by the gospel of the grace of god And he was thankful for the fellowship and oneness that believers have in Christ. Christ binds believers together. He makes us one body, and he makes us family in him. We all have the same Savior. We are all saved by the same gospel. And we all share in its hope together. And the fellowship of the gospel is a very special thing. And his prayers for them... Paul thanked God that the Philippians from the very beginning, from the first day that they trusted Christ until now, that they had been partners with Him in the vital endeavor of making the gospel of grace known to the world. Paul was grateful and found joy in how they shared in the work of the gospel with their prayers, with their labors, and through their financial support. The world needs the gospel most of all. It is the most urgent, pressing need for every single person alive. And as the church labors together for the faith of the gospel, we should thank God for each other, for one of each person's efforts to make the good news known. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 read, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God and our Father. Like with the Philippian church, Paul was also always thankful for the Thessalonian church, and he prayed for them too. Paul's prayers for the Thessalonian church were prayers of gratitude. But it wasn't just Paul. He says, we give thanks. And the verse 2 ends making mention of you in our prayers. Verse 1 mentions Paul, Silas, and Timothy. These three had served, evangelized, and established churches as a team. And they prayed together as a team, too. Praying together with other believers is a powerful thing it's encouraging it's challenging when you pray with others and you hear other people's faith in the lord you hear their love you hear their their hope expressed through prayer and these three were always praying for the Thessalonians and all of them making we give thanks to god always for you all no one excluded in the church, just like in Philippians. They were always remembering them in their prayers, and their prayers were filled with thanksgiving for them all. Paul's thankfulness is based on the fact that, as verse 1 says, they were a group of believers and a church who, by faith, was in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ they were saved. We can constantly thank God for each other's salvation and that we are in Christ, that we can thank God that we are people who, if Christ came back today, we'd disappear off the face of the earth and we'd meet the Lord in the air and forever we will be with the Lord in heaven. Paul instructs the Thessalonians later in this letter in chapter 5 verse 17 to pray without ceasing and what Paul asked others to do he did himself he was always praying always giving thanks to God and making mention of this church in his prayers telling others that you are thankful for them and that you pray for them that's encouraging you know as you've had that happen to you that's encouraging to hear And you see by Paul's example that he was an encourager and a prayer. And the grace of God for today teaches us to be both. In verse 3, as Paul thanked God for them, he remembered without ceasing their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God and our Father. Paul here speaks of a familiar trinity of truth. Faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 reads, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Paul looked for this abiding trinity in the churches. Paul didn't look at how many members they had. He didn't look at how many programs the church had. He didn't look at what talents the people had. He looked at the heart of the church because that is the real measuring stick of a local church. If faith, hope, and love was in that church, they were a full church in every sense of the word, whether they had five members, 50 members, or 500 members. Paul prayed and remembered the Thessalonians' work of faith. The Thessalonians' work of faith were works done by faith in the Lord. They weren't works of faith to be saved. They were works of faith because they were saved by the grace of God. They were works done simply for the glory of God. After their salvation, having placed their faith in Christ, dying for their sins and rising again, they got to work and they worked for the Lord. They were works produced by faith in Christ and out of love for their Savior. Through our work of faith, we work out our faith in Christ. We put our faith into action, trusting Him to work through our work for Him and for His glory. And all our service and work for the Lord is done by faith in light of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We work by faith in light of eternity. And we know that all of our service, that all of our work of faith, that all of our labor of love is never in vain in the Lord, and that the risen, living Lord uses it all and works through our work, and that one day He will richly reward it. In addition to their work of faith, Paul remembered their labor of love. We are moved and compelled to labor for the Lord by Christ's love for us not by guilt or obligation second corinthians 5:14 says the love of christ constraineth us labor of love speaks of serving others out of christ's selfless love sacrificially working to assist and help others in need or just to be kind labor of love speaks of service for god motivated by love for the lord it's been it's been put well that christianity is Not a life to be endured for duty's sake, but a person to be served for love's sake. The Thessalonians labored out of love for the Lord and out of selfless care for others. Some construction workers were building a high-rise across the street from a hospital. As they were working on the third floor, they noticed a little girl standing in the third-floor window of the hospital watching them work. One day they looked across and saw the little girl holding up a poster that said, My name is Lisa. What are your names? So the next day the construction workers came back with some poster board and magic markers and they all wrote down their names. My name is Bob. My name is Bill. My name is Harry. How old are you? The next day the little girl held up a sign that said, I'm seven years old. How old are you? This went on for several days, asking and answering different questions. But one day they noticed that Lisa wasn't at her usual place in the window. So at break time, one of the workers called the hospital and asked for a third floor nurse. He asked if she could tell him anything at all about Lisa. The nurse said that Lisa had taken a turn for the worse and was now in intensive care. So the workers pulled their money and bought some flowers and a stuffed animal and a card and wrote a note on it telling her that they were praying for her. And they sent it to Lisa in intensive care. Several days passed by and then another sign appeared at the window. Lisa passed away. Thank you for caring. And that's what the church is to be. A group of people who care. People who show they care by what they do in their labor of selfless love. And as we pray for one another, we show our care. The word for labor here denotes an arduous, wearying kind of toil to the point of exhaustion. It's about giving a full effort for Christ, working for the Lord, showing His love to others. And our labor of love is like what Jacob said when he labored for Laban, for seven years in order to get Rachel for his wife in Genesis twenty nine twenty. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. In light of what Christ has done for us, and out of our love for Him and gratitude to our Savior, our hard labor for Him is light. We should want to do anything for the Lord out of our gratitude to Him for saving us from all of our sins in eternity under the wrath of God. We're happy to do it. Even even if we're tired, our attitude should be, what's next? We could never do enough to repay His love in dying for all of our sins. He is worthy of working hard and giving Him our very best effort. And our labor of love for Christ should last all the way until our home going because there is always people who need Christ's love and care and God can use us in our labors for Him at any stage of life that we are at. Lastly, as Paul prayed, he remembered and was thankful for the Thessalonians' example of of their patience of hope in Christ. Our hope is sure and unchanging because it's based in the Lord Jesus Christ who is always faithful and unchanging. Their hope was in Christ's coming at the rapture and with patience and steadfastness they were waiting and looking for Christ's coming to catch their church to heaven. And we do the same thing. Verse 10 of this chapter says, they were waiting for His Son from heaven which delivered us From the wrath to come. The the Thessalonian church had been undergoing persecution as a result of their faith in Christ. And the word patience speaks of their endurance in the midst of difficulty, but their endurance was inspired by their hope. And no cracks had appeared in their faith and hope in Christ. They had spiritual fortitude and they kept their focus and their hope in Christ and on His coming for the church. They kept their focus on eternity and on the next world and on, uh, not on this world only. Paul adds that their faith, hope, and love were not something that just would pass for genuine before men. He says, he says it's in the sight of God, which is what really matters and which shows that their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope was real. As we pray under grace, God wants us to remember to pray for the church. Thank God for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for their fellowship in the gospel, and for their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope in Christ. Thank you for watching this episode of Transforming by Grace.
0: write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.